Want to do better? Then it's time to change the story. Welcome to our show about new visions currently transforming the world through the confluence of art, tech, and innovation. And now your hosts, Michael Ashley and Neil Sahota. Welcome to another episode of Changing the Story. Got a phenomenal guest today, Alice Loy. She is the CEO and co-founder of Creative Startups, a global startup accelerator for creatives. She has lived and worked in Europe, Mexico, and Central America, and designed and taught university-level courses ranging from social entrepreneurship to environmental ethics. She also holds an MBA and PhD in strategic communication and entrepreneurship. Alice is also the co-author of the book, Creative Economy Entrepreneurs from Startup to Success. Alice, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Alice, as a visionary, what is the story that you would like to bring to the world? I am completely driven by the idea that entrepreneurs lead society, change society, and can drive the most important uh, social changes that we need. And yet, we have been excluding a lot of entrepreneurs who have a lot to bring. That's, fa- that's fascinating. So let's bring that, break that apart a little bit here. So what do you mean when you say that entrepreneurs are changing society? How, how, do, how, does, how do entrepreneurs do this? I think you're on me, but there you are. Yeah, so entrepreneurs often envision something that doesn't yet exist. And while most of us would say, well, it doesn't exist, either I guess we'll wait for it or we'll hope that it happens, entrepreneurs will go and say, I'm going to build that and I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to help create something that we know we need and yet isn't real yet. Mm -hmm. And that vision is what disrupts society and makes us, you know, I always sort of joke, it's why we don't live in caves anymore. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned that there's a, a large group that we're not tapping into. I mean, who are these wonderful people? You know, we've seen a lot recently, fortunately due to Black Lives Matter movement around how excluded communities of talent have been. But we even have seen over the last 20 years a shift to assume, I guess you could say, that entrepreneurs and talent comes out of engineering and tech. Mm. And there's this sort of fascination um, with tech as a set of solutions, instead of understanding that it's people with an innovative attitude, vision, ability, and then the right resources around them who can carry forward that vision, that disruptive changing element. Um, As we have moved from a society of really being passionate about innovation and creativity to being overly in love with tech, we've lost out on almost a generation, I would say, of creatives and um, people who maybe come from backgrounds like food and um, theater and design, architecture, all of these things that we all interact with every day. And yet we're saying, well, that's just the way it is, but in tech, that's where it's cool. That's just not true. That's a myth that we've sort of perpetuated. It's time for that myth to die. 
I like that. I think that's very interesting. And I think that you're absolutely right. There's a huge emphasis on tech right now. It's the sexy thing. It's about, you know, what's the next app you created with what's the next disruptive idea. Um, I think artificial intelligence is very much wrapped up in this too. And of course, there's a huge place for that. But what you're saying is, is extremely interesting. Uh, and I like, I like the example, especially the, the theater background. I wonder if you could give us some more examples that might be out of the box thinking, especially when we go to things that involve emotional intelligence and creativity. Um, I would say things like animation, um, immersive experiences, uh, obviously film, advertising, a lot of digital media um, has been sort of stayed over the last several years because of the lack of diversity. And I don't just mean race or class mm -hmm. or gender or anything. I, I just mean the diversity of thinking and representation of backgrounds and professional skills. Um, some of the areas that we're most excited about, we are most excited right now about immersive, um, everything from no tech immersive to high tech immersive. Mm -hmm. What's really interesting in that space is the growing number of companies who are a blend of totally offline and online. Um, so the immersive space is one that we're really excited about. Um, yeah, I can keep talking about oh, I like it. areas of innovation in the creative well, economy forever. Well, maybe I can uh, try something in because I know a little bit here that like Meow Wolf, Right. Yes. Our, our, actually, our first episode, that was actually through, I got their start through creative start, uh, creative startups, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, you're right, Neil. Uh, back in 2014, we had spent about a year and a half building the world's first accelerator for creatives. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know what we would expect. We, we hoped that we would find the people we imagined were there who had this growth mindset, this global vision, but felt stifled or just there was no relevance to the existing business help. So we built an accelerator. We put the call out. We had no marketing budget. We just used social media and hoped for the best. Meow Wolf was one of the companies that came forward. Um, we ended up being, the, they won the, you know, the pitch day competition. Uh, we invested a little bit of money with them. Um, we were their first, you could say, institutional investor. But I think maybe even more importantly, we were the first people to say to the, the six founders, you're weird and wonderful, and that's exactly what the market needs. <laughs> Stay that way. You guys are killer entrepreneurs. Don't change who you are. Don't change your perspective. But yes, adopt some of these tools, techniques, systems. Yes, use Excel to figure out when you're going to run, run out of money. Right? I mean, that's easy. That doesn't change your creative vision, but it does give you power over your future. Um, so I think that if you talk to the founders, they would say what creative startups did beyond the, that first investment is they opened the door for us to the world of entrepreneurship and we walked through and our lives have never been the same. By the way, that's likewise, exactly. With, the, with Meow Wolf, it's been a wonderful experience for us to watch their extraordinary success. By the way, that's exactly what my parents told me. You're weird and wonderful. I'm just kidding. Uh, but, no, but I think that there's something special there. I think that we need more weird and wonderful. I think I 100% agree. I 100% agree. 
You know, the best thing about human beings is our creativity and our diversity, our, our, our weirdness that we bring yeah. to one another and that struggle to understand each other and to understand how to, to build societies together. That's, that's the whole nut. Absolutely. Hans Connoisseur entrepreneur, right? You got, got to think differently and maybe we don't realize if you think about most artists, they're actually entrepreneurs, right? trying to sell their work or surely share their work. I mean, I think, yeah, you, you definitely have to be, especially, I mean, looking at <clears throat> the artists that came out of the Renaissance, they had to be entrepreneurs as well. They had to have a patron to be able to create that work, artwork. And I think it, it exists today too. I mean, if you want to make it as a creative, you really have to hustle. You really have to be, yeah. have an entrepreneur mindset in order to do so. Well, it's funny you bring up uh, the Renaissance. We are launching a sister fund to the Accelerator. So we still run Creative Startups Accelerator, but we're also launching a sister venture fund called Da Vinci Ventures. Because just as you say, during the Renaissance, people started to understand the power of creativity and um, the ability to finance creativity. Mm-hmm. and help drive innovation and the private sector's leadership role in that, as well as the church and government and other entities. But the Renaissance is when a lot of that really took off. Absolutely. Um, and I also, I think what you said uh, is very interesting to me. I was talking to my father-in-law uh, about this idea uh, about small businesses. And what he was saying is this country is so great because we encourage small businesses to thrive. And we know that small businesses lead to a lot of employment opportunities, especially Mm -hmm. when they're getting off the ground. They work Mm -hmm. with a lot of different vendors. This is absolutely true with my business. Uh, All kinds of different people get into your orbit when you're a small business. That might not necessarily, if you're a big corporation, they tend to work with uh, other big corporations. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's super important that we're encouraging this because, as you said, these entrepreneurs are not just uh, solving a problem, whatever that is, but they're moving our culture into novel and interesting ways. That's right. Yeah. And they're bringing more stories to the forefront, stories that otherwise we don't get to hear. You right. know, I still remember um, watching um, Brokeback Mountain and thinking, oh my God, I have so many gay and lesbian friends, but I never really understood until Mm -hmm. that story gave me a two hour experience where I could see into the lives Mm -hmm. of gay people who couldn't live their lives together. Mm -hmm. And that, I think those kinds of stories are what break open people's compassion and connection to one another and then we can work together to solve really big problems, problems that matter. I think the other challenge that we have to move beyond, and this is again, a part now of the discourse is, we've got to stop solving problems that are only problems that matter to maybe 10 or 12% of the population. We've got really big problems. We've got to start solving the big problems that include everybody, and that means we need everybody working on them together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, COVID-19 has been a really difficult time for all of us, I think. And I'm always, I guess, because I'm an entrepreneur looking for the silver lining and the opportunity. And I keep saying, at least now we all agree that we have big problems. (laughs) Because if we understand that, we can start working together on them. True. But uh, my experience is if people think the problem is too big, they wind up doing nothing because what as an individual, what can I do? Yeah, also, that's true. 
but a big believer in that local problems have global solutions, right? Yeah. Locally, yeah. you can think about what could I do with COVID-19 or disaster recovery or food production, but could probably translate on a global scale. How do you uncover these opportunities or how do you find these entrepreneurs, you know, these creatives to, to try and engage and help them, you know, achieve their, their dreams? Yeah, that's a really good question. You remind me of a talk I gave years ago in Portugal where I had a, a hand-drawn elephant on the slide and I said, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Um, and that's a little bit like starting a company, right? Because you might have this huge vision for a global company, but you're like, where do I start? That just feels overwhelming. And that's part of what Creative Startups does is we say, well, let's tackle this first step. Let's take that bite and then that bite. And little by little, you start to, you know, kind of take down the whole meal. Um, not that I would endorse eating elephants, of course. But I would say that one of the ways we find creatives is we partner a lot with higher ed institutions. A lot of higher ed leaders are starting to understand in the creative domain that their graduates need jobs and that they might find more um, long-term employment if they help people build their own companies. Uh, so that has been a shifting trend in the last 10 years. Um, so higher ed is a place where we find a lot of creatives, but we also find a lot of creatives just in the community out there. There's an organization called um, Coffee and Creatives, and they have about 3,000 members. Over 12,000 creatives start a business in the U.S. every year. So there are a lot of people out there from the creative sector who are starting businesses. Um, By the way, I, we, yeah, I, I just... Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, I, I just heard about that that organization, actually. Um, sure. really, I heard about it last week. So I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that there is definitely a need, a need for this, right? Um, I heard recently, uh, Tony Robbins was saying that we think about, going back to what you were saying about problems, he said, think about problems as growth opportunities. Our, our greatest asset is our, is our problems because they allow us to grow and allow us to, to challenge ourselves and to be better people than we ever imagined. And so I, I'm wondering from you, what, what are some of the more interesting uh, people that you've worked with, some the interesting stories about people, especially from the creator standpoint, what are those businesses that you are seeing that people, again, going to that word weird, that people had never even imagined before or, or aren't aware of? Yeah, great question. I, I think some of the entrepreneurs who are most interesting for us to work with are the ones who are tapping markets that we didn't run across in our daily lives. So a really good example would be uh, Dr. Lee Francis. He is from Laguna Pueblo, uh, so he's Native American. And he is someone I met at a local art fair. I walked by his booth and I saw that he had comic books really hip, cool comic books, but they were for Native kids. So all of the artwork was done by Native people about Native people. And I started chatting him up. And I said, well, how are you doing growing the business? And he said, it's been a real struggle. I can't find people who understand what we're doing. And I said, what's the market for this? I said, I know there are a lot of Indigenous people worldwide. And he said, there are two comic book publishers for Indigenous people worldwide. How many indigenous people are there worldwide? 300 million. Who wouldn't want to be number two in a market for 300 million people? 
And as I started to talk to him about what, what led him to this, he said, you know, Native people are not really represented as very contemporary people. And a total flip on that is to have comic books, which are very futuristic um, and can be completely imaginative. Um, and so they launched a, a rather robust now, I think they have 16 titles, uh, a set of comic books for indigenous kids created by indigenous artists. And they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. So that was a market that I never would have seen. I'm not indigenous. Um, I, I wouldn't have imagined, oh yeah, there are literally over a hundred million young indigenous people who want to see superheroes that look like them. Right. So that was about four years ago. Well, now we know since Black Panther came out, what that market. But little by little, we see entrepreneurs. The more we open doors for entrepreneurs, the more we see how many markets out there are unmet. Another one of our founders is a woman named Kumbi. She is based in Atlanta. She founded a company called Urban Geeks. Urban Geeks is the first website and blog for STEM-oriented African-Americans. Techies, engineers, um, biotech people, really hardcore techies. It's the very first one. And you think, how could there only be one? When she pitched, uh, I would say, a competing accelerator, they said, you know, we don't really invest in niche markets. Well, I would say, look at your numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think entrepreneurs um, like that who see markets that are being completely overlooked are what we're going to count on for economic growth. A hundred percent agree. I'm I'm curious though, because I I know from my own experience in the VC investor world that people look for things that they know they're familiar with. And there's unfortunately a lot of underrepresentation in terms of diversity and inclusion I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, I mean, how do you try and find like a creative startups? Well, interestingly, I think um, that is changing, which is good. I think, I think our entrepreneurs have to trust their gut and identify their values and stick with them. So write your values down on a piece of paper. Um, another question that I always ask myself is, does this person give me energy? That's such an odd question. Um, but an advisor of mine used to ask me that, and I would say, why, you know? And then I realized, oh, right, because it takes so much energy to build a company. Yeah. But if you're not surrounding yourself with people who really get your juices flowing and you're excited, yeah. then don't work with them. It, it's, uh, so fu- it's so funny you say that, because I had a friend tell me the same thing. I, I really? was, yes, uh, she, and she was spot on because I was talking about this organization that I was working with and it felt so grueling and I was just trying to get something. And, and so she was, and she said that to me and I never heard that before either. And she was absolutely right. Uh, you do need to spend your time in places that, that, that gets you excited and you feel passionate about it. But the other thing I want to also mention about entrepreneurship, I, I very much believe in it uh, because of this reason. And I think it ties into COVID. Um, I, I have worked in the corporate sector and I've also witnessed people getting fired who were, who were very uh, confident that their job would be there the next day. And then the next day came and they changed the locks on this person. And as now we're looking at, at all of these job losses that came out of COVID-19, to me, it feels as if you can't expect the same sort of job security that uh, you could generation ago. 
And for young people, even though it seems riskier, it's the operative word is seems, it's actually safer to be an entrepreneur because you call the, you call the shots with your business. Uh, you get to decide what happens as opposed to giving the power to somebody else. And I wondered what your thoughts were about that. Yeah, I think, I think that can be true. I think there are a lot of benefits to being an entrepreneur. I think there are a lot of drawbacks. Um, I did my doctoral research on entrepreneurship and for many years, people tried to identify the characteristics of entrepreneurs and starting in the late nineties, they stopped that because there are none. Um, the only same, uh, or, or, or predictive piece of data is whether or not your parents were entrepreneurs, which just suggests that you had exposure and that you feel like that's a viable way to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for people who, um, like to have a regular job and want to just go to work, I think that's a, also a very legitimate way to build a business or to build a life. Excuse me. I also think that we've fallen so in love with growth companies that we've forgotten that most of the world is full of companies with 10 people or less. Mm-hmm. And that's also an extremely important piece of the economy. I always say my dad ran a shop with two people for 37 years. Mm-hmm. He didn't like managing people. He didn't want to manage people. So he never tried to grow. Mm-hmm. My mom, however, started the early childhood education movement back in the 70s and became somewhat well known for that. She was very much a growth oriented person, etc. Both are completely legitimate ways. Mm -hmm. to influence your community, take care of your family. Um, And I think one of the gaps we need to address in our system is how we're investing in startups and innovation that are not going to 10x. How do we go back to having alternate mechanisms for financing? Because venture capital works really well for a very small, small set of businesses. Um, And when it gets smaller and smaller by who gets funded, which is usually white men, it's even smaller, but there is an entire swath of talent out there that can't raise financing either because they don't fall into that model or because they don't quote, look the part. So that's a gap that, that I think is, as you say, an opportunity because it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I 100% agree with that. And I think there's also kind of this, you mentioned earlier, the love of tech, right? And you were talking about creatives that, even when it comes to technology companies, it's like the technology itself is not often not the solution. Yeah. It's about solving a problem or meeting a need. And we don't always need technology to do that, which is what yeah. I love what you guys are, are doing on the, on the creatives. I mean, how do we spur more of this, this kind of mindset? Because I think everyone thinks like, if you're going to do something today, you're going to be an entrepreneur, you're going to be innovative or disruptive. There has to be some emerging technology to it. That's not necessarily the case, Right. Yeah, I mean, interesting. I think if you look at the challenge we're facing with racism and systemic racism, there is no piece of technology that can solve that. We can use technology to connect to one another and hear each other's stories and build compassion. But at the end of the day, empathy is what will solve that problem, right? Mm -hmm. And that has nothing to do with technology. Um, So I do think we've let tech you know, it's sort of cart before the horse, where tech is now driving everything. And you see a lot of venture capitalists um, not being willing to take the big risks. You know, they're looking for SaaS companies. They're all looking for another SaaS company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, the field of venture capital was not built on get rich quick. 
that was not the model. Um, and we've lost a little bit of that. And I think it is affecting our ability to be innovative in this country. So if, if you were going to give advice to a person that's coming out of, let's say, college or high school at this moment, and they, th- yeah. they think to themselves, I want to be an entrepreneur, I'm a creative, and I have some ideas. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what to expect, but, but I am interested in this. What advice would you give them? Sure. Good question. I have two pieces of advice. One is share your idea with every smart person you can. Never be afraid that they're going to steal your idea because... The challenges that you face in building a business, they already run their life. They don't also want to run your life. (laughs) So you don't need to fear that they're going to steal your idea. Um, But you do need their buy-in and you do need their support and you do need their connections. So entrepreneurship is the pursuit of opportunity without regard to resources currently under control. But you got to go get those resources. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? You know people. And you ask people. And I think the smartest thing that people can do as they're starting out is build a contact list of people, ask them for very specific pieces of help. Can you help me build a cash flow spreadsheet? Can you introduce me to two people who know a lot about sales? Very specific help and advice and follow up with those people until you have a hundred people who are helping you in some way build your business and suddenly miraculously it will come together it will mm-hmm. yeah great advice so given that right as people get move forward they need an infrastructure or an ecosystem right yeah. how do they how do they find these things right i mean I, I, I know we all talk about like the age of search the internet yeah. or something like that, but I think yeah. finding good people to work with and finding great you know, accelerators like your program with creative startups is a little tougher. How do they get engaged on that front? Yeah, it, it, it can be, although I would say um, get ready to kiss a lot of frogs. <laughs> but you will find people, you will find the right people who want to help you. You just have to be extremely persistent and you have to keep believing in yourself. Um, Every community has resources, even small rural communities. Um, Sometimes your public library can be your best bet in terms of connecting with regional business leaders. The Chamber of Commerce is a good place to start. And if you're not feeling like those organizations really connect with you, find national organizations because more and more of the organizations like Creative Startups or um, the LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce are wanting to help entrepreneurs who are not in their backyard. And so you'd be surprised how many of these organizations would be responsive. We respond to every single inquiry that comes in. And we might say, you know, that's not our sweet spot. We really don't know about that. You should look at this group. But we respond to every single inquiry that comes in. And I think a lot of organizations do. That's a perfect segue into, so how can people learn more about what you're doing, get in touch (laughs) with you, find out about the great work you're doing? Sure. So our website is creativestartups.com. Org. And if you're interested in learning more about the venture fund that we're founding for creatives, that's davinciventures.co. And you can find lots of ways to email us or contact us. On uh, social media, we are at Create Startups, wherever, whichever platform you're on, at Create Startups. 
Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your story, Alice. This has been yeah. an amazing discussion. I'm delighted to have been with you guys for a bit. Thank you so much, Alice. Hey, if you like today's show, please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment. If you've been enjoying the Changing the Story podcast series, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.